We're having a good start to your summer, and uh, that this will be a, a great time for you. Uh, as we work through the Proverbs, uh, trying to learn about wisdom, I want to I challenge you with something uh, today. I want to challenge you to, uh, to go through the Proverbs. I'm going to suggest one to nine, chapters one to nine, there are longer segments of teaching. Do those one a day. When you get to chapter 10, um, we have a whole pile of little short uh, Proverbs. And I want to encourage you maybe not to, uh, don't necessarily have to do a whole chapter, maybe do a, a half a chapter, but think about some of these. And uh, here's my challenge to you. As you do this, um, check out and see something that really stands out to you, something that God may be teaching you from the Proverbs. And take that, um, that proverb that's meaningful to you. Um, do this with your family, uh, with your husband or wife or a friend or with your kids, and talk about the meaning of that. It's so rich, some of these. And then what, what I want to challenge you to do is I want you to email your favorite uh, proverb or a favorite proverb that you have as you're going through that into the church. And what we'll do is like before service or something, we'll have some of these on the screen and you can see. Um, so let's not just skip through them. Let's think about them and send them in. And uh, if you just send them to info at uachome.org, uh, Chris will get them and we'll put them up uh, on the screen. And you can see uh, the proverbs that are meaningful to each one of us here. Well, um, life is a journey, isn't it? Life is a journey. We, we travel along this pathway of life. Um, it's full of surprises, full of delights, uh, full of dangers. Uh, and and we, we left the, uh, the safety and security of the womb. And we were forced unceremoniously out into the world that was, could be cold or, or bright or noisy and all the rest. And we, we began that journey outside the womb. And, and we were cared for by parents and they made decisions for us and hopefully they guided us well. But as you grew and gained more independence, you began to make more and more of your own decisions. And some of those decisions you made were relatively inconsequential. Uh, they, they, they didn't affect you much one way or another. But we also have some decisions that we make that can vastly change the whole course and direction of our life. And so we come often to a fork in the road where we have to make a decision and we have to decide for this or something that may be totally opposite to that. And those decisions can set a course for the rest of our journey. I don't know about you, but if you've ever taken a wrong road at some point and you realize you're on a wrong road, but you can't get off for, for some time and, and then you've got to be able to turn around and get back to it, you realize that you weren't going to end up where you wanted to be. And sometimes you get so far down the road that it's hard to get turned around and you get disoriented. Uh, sometimes you hit a dead end and you can't go anywhere from there. And sometimes you realize you're going the wrong direction and you know you need to get back on 
track. Now, oftentimes, the decisions we make define us. And we are, in essence, a result of the decisions that we make, decision after decision after decision. And so the question that I think comes to mind for me is this. How do we make good decisions so that we're on the right track? Well, we've got to choose between competing uh, courses in our life. And I want to suggest to you that we need wisdom. Uh, We need wisdom to know where to go, what to do. And God, thankfully, has provided it for, for us in the Word of God so that we can live according to His direction and counsel, and He will guide us in the pathway of blessing. The book of, uh, the, the, uh, uh, there's a book in the Bible geared to guiding us to live wisely, and of course, that's the book of Proverbs that we've been talking about. Um, it's right in about the middle of your Bible. If you kind of crack your Bible, you may hit that right on, or you may hit the Psalms. If you hit the Psalms, uh, just go right one book, and you'll find it there. And, and in uh, the Proverbs, they provide for us understanding that we might live skillfully and wisely and in a way that we are blessed Now, we started last week with the introduction to the book, which started in the first seven uh, verses of chapter one. And we kind of conclude a a section, and we'll we'll come back to some things in between, but we conclude a section in that whole uh, one to nine section that I've been talking to you about. And um, it it kind of provides a conclusion to that whole area. And uh, it presents us with Uh, two contrasting appeals and solicitation by two women. I'm going to call them uh, uh, Lady Wisdom and Dame Folly. And they're both seeking to provide some kind of guidance or direction for the different um, uh, decisions that we have to make in life. Both of them are making a plea uh, both of them are telling us to listen to them and, and to do what they say and, and what they promise if we'll do that. Both are making a pitch. Uh, both claim uh, that what they have is best and you need to listen to them and you need to follow them. So we're going to begin in, in this and uh, we're going to start with Lady Wisdom and hear what she has to tell us. And that's in... Uh, Proverbs chapter 9. And she begins, we've got the invitation of Lady Wisdom in the first nine, uh, in, in the first six verses. The invitation of Lady Wisdom. She uses a kind of a metaphor of a banquet. And this is not uncommon in the, uh, in the uh, ancient uh, literature. Uh, she uses this to, to kind of talk about, I, I've prepared something for you that you can come and eat and, and consume it. And, and that's the wisdom that she's talking about. And uh, she's gone into significant preparation. Before she says a word, she has been preparing for this. Um, it says in, uh, chapter, uh, in chapter 9, verses uh, 1, it says, Wisdom has built her house. She set up seven pillars She's prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She's also set her table. It's interesting. She, she builds a house. 
But it's not just any house. This is something incredible. In fact, it's a house with seven hewn-out big stone pillars. It's solid. It's beautiful. It's built by wisdom. It's solidly constructed. And great care has been taken in the construction of this. And it's costly. You can imagine trying to hew out seven huge pillars to put in place. Great care in preparation. And and that number seven speaks about kind of completion and perfection. What she has in this house is it's it's complete. It's perfect. It's everything they need. And then she begins to prepare this lavish meal. Um, she, She makes meat. And she has wine and mixes her, her wine. Now, if you know anything about the ancient Near East, and in fact, in many places of the world, um, meat and wine are not something that you would have on a regular basis. That would happen very rarely. Uh, but this, uh, this lady, uh, uh, lady Wisdom is making preparation here, and, and she has this extravagant meal. And she's got meat at this meal. And she's got fine wine, but not just fine wine. Um, she has mixed her wine. She's put spices in it or maybe honey or something. This is, this is an incredible meal she's prepared. And the table is set. The banquet is ready. Everything is ready for her. And then we have wisdom's invitation. Wisdom's invitation. And in verses uh, 3 to 5, well, we see about what she's done. She sends out her servants, and she calls from the highest point in the city, let all who are simple come to my house, to those who have no sense. She says, come and eat my food and drink the wine that I have mixed. She gives an invitation for anybody who wants to come, to come, and she will feed them. She'll she'll give them this wisdom. Um, This banquet hall has been made ready. Everything is there. And the target is the simple. Now, if you weren't here last week, uh, we said there are different categories of people that are referred to in this. And the simple are those who are are young and immature and naive and without knowledge and without experience in life. And they're gullible and they lack judgment and they can be tricked. I told you last week, you know, somebody told me, go get a left-handed screwdriver. I didn't have the sense to know that he's jerking me around. There's no such thing as a, but, but because of my naivety. I remember, I remember taking in our business once. I was, I was uh, at, the, at the business and we had a little a voltmeter, ohmmeter, and I'm playing with it. So I took the little prongs and I stuck them in the, um, in the receptacle, the AC receptacle, and I set it to, uh, I, I think, I don't know, the highest was maybe like 500 or something. 500 uh, volts, and, and the, the meter just turned a little way. And so I turned it down to 250, and it went about halfway up. And I thought, oh, this is cool. And I turned it to 50, and it went well over, and it was kind of, you know, jerking a little bit. And I went down, I went down to one, one volt, uh, one, one, uh, one volt, and, and I put the prongs in, and it blew up, and the, and the, the meter was, was fried, and there was this little wire thing that used to be the, the uh, indicator, and it, well, what was I doing? I, I, I didn't know what I was doing. 
I was one of the simple. I didn't, understand, I didn't have understanding. I'm just fooling around with something. I didn't know that I could wreck it. And so there are people who don't know which way to go in life. And they need direction. And they need guidance. And, and so Lady Wisdom calls out, Come on, all you people who are simple. All you people who don't know which way. You don't have discernment. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to make good decisions in your life. Come and I will take care of you. I'll teach you. I'll feed you. Come to this banquet. Now, in our life, God puts people who will help us in that. I mean, we start life out, we're given, we're, we're given parents, most of us, who teach us and guide us and direct us. And, and we have uh, others, we have uncles and aunts and sometimes older siblings. We have Sunday school teachers and youth workers. We have pastors and elders and and. Uh, and God sometimes puts people in our life, and I've been so blessed in my life, and I mentioned this last week, to have people who have provided guidance for me. Um, and most of those have been senior people that God has taken and, and established a relationship, and they have given guidance and direction for me. And I've been so appreciative of that. And God maybe has put some people in your path that will help you understand and guide you. And if you don't have somebody like that in your life, look for somebody like that who can help you. And then take, uh, take advantage of the Word of God. We have a book full of wisdom, all of these wonderful resources. Well, there is then wisdom's reward. And he says, in, uh, in verse 6, wisdom's reward is this. Leave your simple ways and you'll live. And you'll walk in the way of insight. You'll have insight to know what's dangerous and what's right and what's wrong and what's not helpful for you and what to stay away from. If you'll just consume this, you'll have life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. Life abundant. And so if you will follow... Um, Lady Wisdom, she will bless you in that way. And then we have this little uh, uh, six-verse interlude here. Uh, it's, it's about uh, a contrast between the wise and the foolish. And the sage wants us to know that there's a difference. And so um, he contrasts that in verses 7 through 12. He shows us a bit of what the foolish person is like in, 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 in contrast to the wise person. And, and he says this. Um, he, he first, he says, he warns against correcting the mocker. He warns against correcting the mocker. And here's what he says. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke a mock, uh, mockers or they will hate you. Here, here's what he says a foolish person is like. You can't tell them anything. You try and help them. You try and give them some guidance. They don't thank you for that. Um, and, and this is a category of the fool. The mocker is the one that makes fun of everything that's important. Makes light of it. Uh, puts it down. Laughs at it. Scoffs at it. And, and if you were on a dangerous path... If you were on a path that could take you to destruction, you, you should be able to appreciate somebody who would reach out to you to try and help you that way. But that's not the mocker. I want you to see the three responses. First, they'll insult you. They'll put you down. Yeah, I know you are, but what am I? Oh, you're so stupid. 
I can't believe you. Just put down. You think you're so smart. You can't even do this. And, and, and born of insecurity sometimes, an unteachable spirit, they'll have nothing to do with that. The next thing they'll do is they'll be abusive. It incurs abuse. Uh, you know, it's an interesting thing. It used to say, if you got in trouble at school and the school contacted your parents, what, what, what do we used to say? You got it twice as bad at home than what you ever got at the school if you were, if you were not behaving there. Um, but, but when I talk to teachers now, I hear about problem children and parents are contacted because their children are just unmanageable. And you know what the parents come in? And what they do is they tear apart the teacher and the school and they protect the child. They don't allow the child to be disciplined. They don't allow the child to be corrected. They, they, they're abusive. You know, it's your problem. My child's done. Don't you dare say that about my child. Don't, you know? And you can't help the child. They're abusive. They get called in, and they're wreaking havoc and threatening everything. And those parents do no good for them. What do they do? They become abusive towards the school and toward, uh, toward the teachers. Not only are they abusive, but if you rebuke a mocker, they'll hate you. And they, you know, so they should thank you for what you do, but they, there's no thanks in them. They will... They will hate you for it. You know, as a, as a pastor, I get put in some, some difficult situations at times. And quite a number of years ago, I, uh, somebody called me up on a, I think it was a Monday or Tuesday night, and said, you know, so-and-so in our church is getting married Friday night. And, and this person she's getting married to was not somebody who would walk in faith with her. And so the person just gave me, and I, I just, I just was stewing about this. What should I do? I mean, I, I'm this woman's pastor. I'm supposed to protect her. I'm supposed to provide some guidance if I see her going on a wrong path. And so I remember calling her up, and, and I said, yeah, it's Pastor Kevin on the phone. And I just heard, you're getting married on Friday night. And I knew of the person, and, uh, and I said, I just... I just feel I, I need to call you and tell you that this is not God's desire for your life to take somebody who doesn't walk in faith with you. God wants you. It's wonderful to have a husband, but you need somebody that's going to walk in faith with you. And um, it, it was like so frosty on the other end of the phone. Like, you know, I, I hate doing that kind of stuff. It's not easy. It's hard. And you know that here, you know, they've got this little wedding all prepared. And I'm saying, you know, I, you should really think about not going through with this because this is not God's will. She did not take that well. She did not appreciate that. Um, maybe be a little strong to say she hated me. But about two years later, she came to me and she apologized. She said, you know what? I should have listened to you, but I wouldn't listen. And so... The, the, the contrast is you share with somebody and they don't appreciate it. That's what a mocker is like. Well, when he talks about connecting with the wise um, in, in verses 8, and he, he says this. When you correct the wise, rebuke the wise and they'll love you. You rebuke a fool. You rebuke, rebuke a mocker. They'll hate you. But if you rebuke... Um, uh, a wise person, 
they will love you for it. I told you guys, one of the, one of the um, mentors that I've had is a man who passed away about four years ago, and I, I felt such an, an incredible sense of loss. But he could speak to me. Uh, he, was, he was an eminently wise man, uh, wise in the things of God, wise in life. And, and he could talk to me, and he could, he could say, Kevin... I think there's, there's something wrong with your attitude in this instance or this case. And he could call me out. And I'll tell you what, I, I appreciated, um, you know, let, let me correct that. I don't always appreciate being corrected. Do you? Okay. But I've also learned that if I'm willing to take correction, I, I, I would love that. It, let, let me say this to you also. Because it's not always easy to take correction. And it's very difficult to take correction from somebody you don't, you don't feel is on your team. Somebody who maybe doesn't like you and, and lays a charge against you or says you're this or that. Or, and, and I found it's also to be humble enough to say, I need to listen to what that person has said, even though they don't have my best interest at heart, even though they, I may consider them even something like an enemy. But I need to listen and ask God, are you, are you correcting me in some way, in, in that way? You, but when you correct the wise, um, they appreciate it. They love you. Instruct the wise. They'll be wiser still. They say, you know what? I, I want to be, be a more wise person. So I'll listen to you. Tell me if there's something that I'm doing wrong, if there's something. And you see that humble spirit, it's a beautiful thing. Teach the righteous, and they will add to their learning. Do you want to be there, or do you want to just, just be an abusive mocker who, who cannot receive correction? Well, well, he sets this up for us. And, and, and then he says this in verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Hey, that sound, does that sound familiar to you? Have you heard something like that before? When, when we go back to chapter 1 and, and the end of that beginning, uh, he says there uh, in that, he says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The foundational place where we begin this whole wisdom journey is with God. And it's the fear of the Lord. And now it's kind of like we've got uh, an envelope around these nine chapters. And we get here and it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. See, here's the thing. The fear of the Lord, uh, there's no true wisdom apart from God. There's no lasting wisdom. There's no reliable wisdom. You can have all the smarts you, you, you can have. You can be shrewd, which is a kind of, that's another word that's translated kind of in the wisdom category, shrewd. We think of shrewd as somebody who can so manipulate a situation to profit from it. Um, you, can, you can be smart enough and be dishonest enough to get a lot of money. You can be power tripping. You can be... Um, uh, you can be doing all kinds of things that are, are coercive, that you use evil for your own purpose and, and think you're smart. 
But, but that's the thing. None of that is from God. And true wisdom needs to come from God. It's grounded in God's character and our submission. So the fear of the Lord is, is our willing submission before God. It's to acknowledge who he is and to obey him, to, to submit ourselves to him. And so wisdom is really has a, a spiritual aspect and a moral aspect and an ethical element. And not only is it submission to God, it's concerned for what God wants. And that talks about all of our other relationships. And all true wisdom is based on God's character. And to revere God, to reverence Him, and to trust Him. And the benefits accrue to us when we do that. He says, with long life, for, for through wisdom, your days will be many and your ears will be added to you. And if you're wise, your wisdom will reward you. And if you're a mocker, you're going to suffer alone. But if you follow God, he will pour his blessing out upon you. It's incredible that when, when we live God's ways, it, it promotes physical and emotional health and relational health and, and good spiritual life, all of those things. But the mocker, he gets none of that. None of that. So we conclude with an invitation from Dame Folly. We've heard of Lady Wisdom, and now Dame Folly is going to speak. Uh, she's contrasted with Lady Wisdom. So the first thing we see is Folly's character. Folly's character. And in verse 13, we read this. Folly is an unruly woman. She's simple, and she knows nothing. She... she you think she's so wise and smart. She's going to teach others, but she doesn't, she doesn't know herself. She's an unruly woman. Here's the picture of her. Number one, she doesn't build a house. She doesn't build this house. She doesn't prepare this wonderful meal, this sumptuous meal. Um, she's described as loud, undisciplined, without knowledge. She's the antithesis to wisdom. She's boisterous. Chaotically, chaotic, unruly, per, uh, promiscuous, and she has no substance. But she is going to invite, we see Folly's invitation. She's going to invite, just as wisdom invited people, to come to her banquet and learn from her. It, it, here's, here's what she says in, in the next verses. She sits at the door of her house on a seat in the highest point of the city, calling out to all those who pass by, who go straight by their way. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, stolen water is sweet, food eaten in secret is delicious. Come to my place. She's like, she's like a carnival barker. Hear ye, hear ye. Come on, come one, come all. I've got something for you. You simple people, they're both, they're both talking to the same group, the simple people, the people who don't have discretion, the people who don't have maturity and don't have understanding and don't have wisdom. I want you to come. But she herself is simple. She doesn't get it at all. The enticement is, is different. She hasn't made preparation. She hasn't put this sumptuous meal out. And, and, and here she is. And she's, she's, uh, this is the picture. The, the, uh, one, one of the pictures of, uh, of sex is water. And she's like a cheap prostitute sitting at the door of her house. Saying, hey, everybody, come here. Hey, come on in here. Come and taste my wares. Come and, come and be with me. Uh, stolen water. 
That's an illicit relationship. It's wrong. It wasn't yours. It was, it was illegal. It was illicit. Uh, eliciting temptation and bread that should be eaten in secret because it's shameful. You can't do something like this public. Come and, and I've got things for you. Come on. Come on. Come on to my place. There's no attraction there for something that is good. And, and we know that sin can be, have, have its own allurements. It's not like sin is, is uh, has, you know, hey, come here. There is something of allurement. Though she, had, she doesn't have substance. She doesn't have meat and wine. She's got bread and water. I got bread and water here. Who wants bread and water? That was it. There was nothing special about that. Hey, who wants, who wants water that you shouldn't have? Ooh, interesting. I can't have that? Ooh, oh, there, must, there, there must be something good. Are you holding out on me? Is there something that I want? And, and it's stolen. It belongs to somebody else. Who will know? And it, it seems to promise so much. And, and then we look at Folly's reward. Folly's reward. And in verse 18, in the last verse, it says this. Little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are deep in the realm of the dead. You, when, you, when you went to Lady Wisdom, you had life. But when you come to Dame Folly, you come with this attraction. Oh, this is, you can't, you can't. You can't have this. This is a secret. Oh, must be good. Must be interesting. Must be wonderful. And I go, and, and there's some allurement, and there's some momentary pleasure. But I didn't realize I was going to a place to die. I, I didn't realize that I was going to a place that was going to hurt me. That, that, that was a place of destruction and ruin. Have that, have that affair. Oh, the adrenaline was pumping. It's so wrong. And, and, and we've got this covert thing, and, and we can do this. And it was fun. Oh, it was exciting. But it left me with guilt. I couldn't look at myself and respect myself. And it destroyed my marriage and it hurt my family. And we all broke up. And I have anxiety and I'm not happy. And I'm economically stressed. Because now we're trying to keep two homes going and we're trying to bounce kids back and forth and, and there are all kinds of complications in our life now and, and, and difficulties. Was it worth it? No, no, no. I wish I knew. I wish I knew before I listened to that woman. Take that first hit of drug. Oh, everybody's doing it. Oh, it's so neat. You should just, just get this straw and, and oh, I want to do it again and again. And again, it felt so good. I want more and more. And now I'm hooked on it. My whole life is revolved around getting this stuff. And I, I, I love jazz music. And, and I've, I've watched a, a number of documentaries on some of the great jazz players. And, and some of them have, have been just hooked on drugs. It's ruined their, uh, their lives. It's ruined their career. It's taken life from them. Was it worth it? No. But they were hooked. 
and people who get in debt because they're, they're chasing material pleasure and it doesn't matter that they can't afford it. They just have card after card and, and line of credit and they do more and go after more and it's ruination for them. Or they make decisions and they, they choose a spouse but it wasn't chosen in, in wisdom. You know, this guy was the, you know, the... the the captain of the football field, or this, this woman is so beautiful, and I, I didn't think about other things, that I didn't, I, didn't get, uh, I, I didn't get some good counsel, and I made poor decisions. Think of Judas Iscariot. He's living three and a half years with Jesus. He's hitched his, he's hitched his wagon to Jesus looking for money and fame and he had fame but Jesus was not playing the game right and Jesus kept doing his own thing and the the religious leaders couldn't stand him and they wanted to put him to death and and Satan puts it in his heart you know what you could profit from this why don't you go and see the religious leaders who can't stand Jesus and they said I'll tell you what we'll give you 30 pieces of silver If you betray him, tell us where he is and lead us to him. Judas thought, man, 30 pieces of silver. He loved money. He he desired money. He wanted that. And, And so he did it. I'll take it. And he betrayed Jesus. The allurement that glistened. That money that he held that glistened in his hand now was so repugnant to him. He was inconsolably distraught. He had just, he had betrayed the Son of Man. He had betrayed God the Son who had come to save people. I mean, he'd heard Jesus. He did miracles, all this kind of stuff. And he sold it all for that. And everything that it promised him, the joy, the pleasure, the prestige, nothing of that was worth anything. And he went out and committed suicide. Oh, come here, I've got something for you. Come here, listen to, listen to Dame Folly. No, listen to Lady Wisdom. You see, she's selling a false bill of goods, and she'll present it. It's just bread and water, but she'll make it seem like it's so special. And what it'll lead to is death and despair and brokenness and heartache. And so Solomon concludes this first section of the Proverbs these two women calling out, come here, I've, I've got something for you. Come and, and, and receive what I have. I've made a banquet for you. I, I want you to come and, and trust me and follow my counsel. And both of them are saying this. And as you journey in life, you're going to be presented with all kinds of decisions. And you're going to come to a fork in the road. And, and, and you're not going to know maybe whether to go right or to left. And are you going to seek Lady Wisdom? Or are you going to be enticed by Dame Folly? And I want you to know that when you trust in God's way and His wisdom, that those decisions will be good and godly. They'll be right and wise. They'll bless your life. They'll bless people who are around you. Or you might make very poor decisions, foolish decisions. Things that will hurt you and handicap you and can destroy you. And you can look back and say, I don't know how I got on this road. But I've been on this road a long time and I don't know how to get off it. Choices. 
We all have to make them. Moses said to his people, Moses is... God said that you're not going to go into the promised land. You've, you've done such a great job leading these people. But because you sinned in front of all the people, you're not going to go into the promised land. But you'll see it. And Moses did everything he could to prepare the people of God to walk in a right path. And in Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19, it says, I've set before you today life and death, blessing and cursing. Now choose life. I've set before you two courses, blessing, wisdom, or folly. Now choose life. Father, we just thank you that you instruct us. Thank you that you give us hope. Thank you that you guide our path and you desire to bless us. Blessed is the man or the woman who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit with mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Father, may we be wise people. May our young people heed counsel. May they, may they start their lives well and not have to undo things. May they make those important decisions that they have to make um, guided by your word. May the parents of our children and our, and our young people be wise. We can't convey the wisdom that we don't have ourselves. And some of us should have a whole lot more wisdom in our life by this point, And we don't have. And you call us and instruct us and give us the responsibility for training our children and guiding them in wisdom. And may our old people, uh, may they be wise people and may they share their wisdom liberally with those, with the young families and, and, and with middle-aged people. And Father, may we walk in the path of wisdom and know your joy and your blessing because we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.